I was uh, raised in a Christian home, two of the best parents. My dad uh, instilled in me a good work ethic. My mom, kindest woman you'll ever meet. Been involved in church since I can remember. Yeah, it was a good childhood. Obviously, with any father, uh, having a son is is primo. Uh, and so, uh, when Jess was born, it was it was uh, second to none. We uh, I couldn't have been more elated. He went to Sunday school. He went to vacation Bible school. He was in. He went to church camp. He was in the youth group. He was on a path that I thought was a great path. We 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 couldn't have asked for for a better outcome for for that period of time in his life. Middle school was probably rough for, for anybody going through middle school. It's just that time of life, right? Um, and uh, I remember getting attention from, from my peers when I would uh, drink too much Mountain Dew or I'd be shaky and they'd, they'd say, he's, he's crazy. <laughs> you know, and, and being an introvert and being very quiet, um, any kind of attention was, was welcomed. Got some uh, caffeine pills, and um, you know, eventually you get to high school, and it's you know, smoking weed, um, getting into the heavier stuff. Uh, as I progressed through my um, addiction, it um, became um, cough medicine mixed with that and alcohol, so um, all around addict. Taking stuff helped me kind of be the life of the party. Um, helped me help me get out of my my quiet shell. Just got to the point where it was a every night thing turned into an everyday thing then starting to realize you know you've got a you've got a problem and you're doing this every day and you're doing this during the day and you're hiding it pretty hard what kind of a person are you who what do you who do you want to be um and I didn't want to be that person and uh by the time I really started to think I've got to get out of this is when I I, I couldn't it you know the claws were deep there's no way my son's addicted to something. For him to do something like that, you know, it was just unbelievable. There is no way that my son, who I raised, would ever allow his body to do that. It took a while for, for it to sink in. As a mom, you know, I just wanted to wave my kitchen towel and say, it's gone. And it, just wasn't going to be like that. Nancy and I had made the decision that we had to shut the door. So we basically said, Jess, you're going to have to leave. And people, a lot of times, I think they, they say that they, they, they've given tough love, but until you actually have to do it, it's tough. I walked out the door and I, I pounded on a tree and I said, Lord. What next? I could see the love in their eyes. I could also see the hurt in their eyes. Um, I had lost a couple jobs. Um, and I was, sorry. I was sleeping in my car behind a dirt pile. 
We feared for his life. Our prayers at that moment were, Lord Jesus, please allow Jess another day. I mean, this is my, my son who I'd do anything for. And then just to kind of put the arm up and say, no, you can't, you can't live like this. It was just heartbreaking. I just screamed, God, get me out of this. Get me out of it. I can't do this. I wanted that lightning bolt experience. I wanted him to just say, boom, done. <laughs> he wanted me to stop trying to fix it myself and let him help me. Here's what I know to be true. There's stories in each and every one of our lives. For those of you that are watching at home or from somewhere else, we all have stories, don't we? And I appreciate the vulnerability of Jess as he shared his story and, and the way that his parents kind of tell their version of what they were experiencing as well. And sometimes life can have its lows. Sometimes uh, life can have its highs. And we find ourselves in this place of having to navigate through and walk through all of these different kinds of things. And sometimes life can just be hard and it can be complicated. We all have stories. What I also know from my personal experience is this, left to our own, we can make a mess out of life quick. Left to our own, we can make mistakes. And I, I do believe, though, that <clears throat> nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, let's just make a mess of life, right? That's not how we do. But sometimes our decisions and circumstances create a life full of challenge and and uh, we don't set out to make life as hard as it can be. And we know, don't we, that we're, that we're just a couple decisions away from, from putting ourselves in difficult circumstances. And maybe you're here today and you found yourself in this story just like the story Jess was saying. That you just found, and it might not be the exact same reasons, but you found yourself just thinking, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I need help. And maybe you're here today just trying to find out what, what is life all about? Why am I here? What is this about? And God, if you're really out there, would you please just help me figure this out? <clears throat> I read a story uh, recently about a philosophy professor at a university who was trying to figure out some of the same things that we're talking about today. He wanted to figure out what life was about. So he decided that he was going to compile a list of 250 of the greatest intellectuals of our time. So other professors and scientists and, and uh, philosophers, writers, just intellectuals. And he was going to pose this question, receive all of the answers, and then publish a book. And the question that he posed to the greatest thinkers of our time was, <clears throat> what's the purpose of life? And when he details some of the responses that he got, it's just fascinating. And again, these are the brightest intellectuals of our time. And they would respond with things like, I'm not sure. Or they would say things like, uh, I'm going to give it my best guess. My favorite, though, were the ones that responded saying, I have absolutely no idea. So if in doing your research, you find out, if you could just make sure to email me back so I can know what this life is all about, too, that would be great. Understanding the purpose of life can seem so 
elusive. And, and here's the deal. As we were shooting Jess's story and talking to his mom and dad, there was something that kept emerging from his parents as they were sharing. And, and Tom, his dad, said, you know, when, when we were in the height of what we were going through, <clears throat> he said this, I just want my son to live. It's like, that's all I could think about. He said, concerned that on the other end of a phone call would be a state trooper or someone telling us that the worst had happened. I just want my son to live. And here's where I feel led to go this weekend, and I need you to hear this today. Our Heavenly Father wants the same for us. He wants us to live. But he doesn't want us to have an ordinary life. He wants you to have an extraordinary life. And we need to know this truth, that this is a full life, a real life that he created us to know and experience. As a matter of fact, he cares about this so much that he would send his son to come and die so that we would have opportunity to know this kind of life. And guys, that's what Easter is all about. We celebrate that Jesus came back to life, but the reason that he came back to life is so that we could have life. And there's a few word pictures that God has given us in Scripture. And we need to pay close attention to those. Because wouldn't you admit with me that sometimes it's just hard to figure God out? Sometimes it's hard to get our arms around who he is and, 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 and our relationship with him. How do we understand this? One of, one of the things that's communicated clearly in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is that he is called our Heavenly Father. So let me share a couple of those verses with you. It's laid out so plainly in Psalm 103, 13. It says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And we hear that and we're like, okay, Doug, first you've got to unpack this fear thing. What does that mean? That really, what it means is those that live their life with a posture of heart that, that are in awe of God. And when we live that way, he's a father to us. He is tender and he is compassionate. And then you fast forward to the New Testament in 1 John chapter 3, and it says this, see how very much our father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. As a matter of fact, in Matthew, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching to his disciples, and he's teaching to the others that were there listening to him that day, and, and he's wanting us to understand God as well. And in this particular passage of Scripture, he's wanting us to know how to talk to him. How do we talk to him? And as Jesus is teaching, his own words, he says this, your father, speaking of God, see, so he's saying the same thing that the other passages were saying. So Jesus himself says, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then in verse nine, he said, now I'm gonna teach you how to pray. He says, pray like this. And you, maybe you've heard this before. Our father who art in heaven, right? And so Jesus is communicating that you can't miss it. It's Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's Jesus. The image of a father is used to help us understand God. And these two words, heavenly father, that, that's a paradigm shift for those that heard this. And what's interesting to me is that still today, in this moment, right here today, that is still a paradigm shift. He is our father. We are his children. And when we see this, we begin to understand that this is this experience with God is a relational one. And so here's my main thought for this weekend. My Heavenly Father wants me to know real life. 
And so as a father, God is loving and caring, and he knows us. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows you intimately, and, and he's patient. Aren't you glad he's patient? And he sent his son to come and to die for us, and he has a plan. He has a plan for your life. He is our father, and we are his children. But this isn't always easy to understand, this imagery of father to child. And, and, and so let me just show it to you this way. Uh, back in 1921, there was a young Dutch painter and a sculptor. Uh, he was a poet, too, just very creative. And he began painting when he was 14. And his art has this very abstract look to it, lots of broad brush strokes and kind of a childlike look, vibrant colors and sweeping strokes. And one of his pieces was originally called My Father. And it's a unique painting. It was painted on a large canvas, and it's, the image is, is, is tall and kind of stick-like, and, 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 and it has this odd-shaped head. Let me, let me just show it to you. This is an interesting picture when you see it, and it's like, this is a grown man that painted this, by the way. And uh, you look at this one, and this is different from his other artwork. If you ever look up uh, some, of, some of his other paintings, uh, Carol Apple, his paintings are bright, but this one has dark colors that seem to convey some type of coldness, a harshness. There's this beak-like nose, and aren't those some funny-looking arms? It almost makes it seem kind of monster-like, and it seems a little bit off. And then when you look at it long enough, you think, I wonder, what's up? Like, what's going on with his dad? And what's going on with his relationship with his dad? If you think about it long enough, you'd, you'd probably start to feel like, gosh, I think, I think we need to talk with him about it. He might need some help, just like we need help understanding our relationship with a God that we call Heavenly Father because here's, here's the challenge that we have. All too often, we begin to paint an image, don't we? In our mind's eye and in our heart, even in our souls, we paint an image of what we think God is like based on experiences and thoughts and maybe things others have said instead of learning from here. And you see, what I'm fearful of is that in our efforts to paint this picture in our own minds of who God is, we're creating our own narrative. We're creating our own version of who God is. And I'm fearful. I know I've done this too. I'm fearful that often we're creating in our own version something that is not even who our God really is. And I wonder if you've done that. Could it be possible that your version of God does not accurately reflect who he really is, who he told us he is. Is it possible that we've created him to be something he's not? Because he tells us that he is our father and we are his children. And we have to understand that, but this can be challenging, can't it? Sometimes, for lots of reasons, it can be difficult to understand God and to get our arms wrapped around, especially this image of this understanding of God as our Father. Because we all know, don't we? We all know there are no perfect dads out there. You're looking at an imperfect dad. There are some good ones, and there are some indifferent ones, and there are some passive ones, and there are some missing dads. And there's some bad dads. And there's also some horrible ones. And this can make understanding God as Father challenging for us because all of us have stuff because of our dads. I promise that's true. And sometimes it's tough to understand that somehow the creator of the universe, who seems so big and so 
so busy and so important that somehow when he's helping to unpack who he is, that he would say to you and me that he is our father and we are his children. That somehow God sees me, that God sees you, that he knows me, that he knows you, that he cares about us, and that as his kids, he's intimately concerned about us. It's just hard for us to know that this is possible, that he is our father and we are his children. And you've got to hear from me today, just as was true for Tom, Jess's dad, who said, what I wanted more than anything else was for my son to have life. That is exactly what our Heavenly Father wants for us too. He wants you to know real life, not a version of it that somehow falls short of who he's created us to be and the life that he's created us to know. You've got to hear, he wants you to have life. And I believe, because this is true for me, and I'm sure it's true for you, that deep inside of all of us, we want to know that this is true. We want to know that God cares about us that way. So I want you to listen to what Jesus said. When he was here, there was one moment when he was teaching, and Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the purpose for me coming. And if Jesus says that, don't you think we should pay attention? We should know what, I mean, let's clear it up, Jesus said. I just don't want there to be any confusion. I want you to know why I came here. And when he says, I want you to know my purpose, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. And we read that and we're like, yeah, God wants me to be rich, right? But it has nothing to do with material possessions and wealth and money, Instead, Jesus knew this rich and satisfying life is a life that's lived in close relationship with him. An abundant life. You need to hear this. This abundant life that he's talking about, it's not about religion. Because when we head that direction, that's when we mess it all up. And it's also, guys, not about church. And I'm a church guy. It's about a relationship. It's about grace. It's about a grace that is greater than my biggest mistakes and, and my, my biggest regrets. It's life to the fullest. And listen, if I'm going to stand in front of you today and talk, did you have any, any notion that I might talk about something besides the resurrection this morning? If you want to know what the resurrection is all about, it's life and life to the full. It's a gift that God has extended towards us. It's a free gift. And this is what makes God so different. Jesus' love for us, different than any other religion. It's an unconditional gift. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But it costs a ton. And the greatest news is you don't have to pay the price that God would send his son. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.24 says. He, speaking of Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin. And look at the next two words, and live. And live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. God's plan, guys, is for you to live. Not just here and now. He wants you to experience this abundant life today, but also in eternity, in relationship with him. My heavenly father wants me, wants you to know real life. So these verses explain how this happens. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Look at verse 10. 
This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Whoo, that's Easter. That's what he did for us. Imagine that our heavenly father loves his children so much that he would send his only son to come and to pay our penalty on the cross. And so as we work together and as we struggle through the, the, the efforts to try and understand and figure out who God is and as we paint this picture for ourselves, understanding who God is. Listen, the apostle Paul wants to clear it up. He wants us to understand this too. And so in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, he says this. Now, this is so powerful. He wants to erase the canvas and start to help us paint again. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He says, no, wipe the slate clean. This is now not about living in relationship in fear of God. Look what he says. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him, look at this, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Abba, Father means that we would say to him, Daddy, Daddy. And we have to understand this. We have to know that he is our father and we are his children. But again, the challenge is that it's not enough to just know this stuff. Because it's likely you've heard this before. It's likely you've come to church or you've celebrated online last year, Easter, and you know the story. You know that God loves you. You know that he sent his son. It's not enough to know it here. See, it has to become something that you and I believe and this is when our experience of this abundant life really begins. And that's a daily decision for all of us. And I don't know. I don't know your story. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what it is that prevents you or perhaps holds you back in this season from really experiencing and knowing God in this way. I don't know what challenges you've been faced with. But here's what I do know. God has a plan for you. His plan is that you would live. And not just live an ordinary life. He wants you to live an extraordinary life. And please hear me again. This is not about religion or church. It's about a relationship. Listen, in 1 John it says, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is his son. Here's the equation. It's simple. He says, Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the God's son does not have life. So I want to talk with you for just a minute about what it might be that's holding you back. What is it that seems to be a stumbling block in your life right now? What is it that's that hurdle, that challenge, that you, maybe it's something like what Jess was describing. You see, last Friday, I was reminded when my wife Beth and I and a couple of our kids came and we walked through the journey to the cross. I was reminded that everybody has a story. It's such a great way for us to reflect and to think and to prepare our hearts for this weekend. In each station, had a, had a little thought to process and then something to do. And in one of those rooms, just very serene and beautifully decorated, there were these little cards that looked like this one. And what we were supposed to do is write down the thing in our life right now that was just weighing heavy on our hearts, the thing 
that was the challenge that we were trying to overcome. And after we had written them on the cards, we were to take them and kind of just tie them onto this lattice that was there. It's just beautiful. And then take a minute and just pray. And then after we prayed about our thing, the challenge was to look at a couple of the others and to pray for some of those other requests as well. And what I thought was just going to be a few minutes of prayer turned into something more. Because as we were looking at these other requests, there was some super heavy stuff, guys. Stories. Part of your lives, part of my life. I I remember one that said, God, please help me to learn to forgive myself from my past. Hmm. There was another heartfelt request that said, help my son to know God loves him. There were prayer requests for broken relationships and loved ones that were sick. It was very powerful as we walked through these times of prayer for people that are facing addictions. And again, I don't know what it is that you've been faced with in your life right now. But here's what I want to tell you. The beauty of the story of Easter you see is that regardless of what it is that you are facing right now, regardless of what the challenge might look like, the difficulty, the, the addiction that you have that you need to overcome, the past that you have a hard time forgiving yourself for, here's, here's the greatest part of the story of Easter. Can you imagine what it would have been like on Friday when Jesus was crucified? That all of a sudden your dreams, your hopes, they seem crushed. And his family, his friends, they had to be deeply concerned, don't you think? Like, so disappointed. What they thought was solutions and answers seemed to be gone, but they didn't have the whole story like you and I do. Can you imagine what Saturday must have been like? They're celebrating Sabbath, and all they're thinking about is the death of Jesus. But here's what I love about this story. It wasn't over yet. And when things seem overwhelming, what you need to know is the power of the story of Jesus' resurrection is that you don't give up. There is still hope. And our God sees and knows. He is our heavenly Father, and he knows what you're dealing with. He knows what it is that's holding you back from full embrace of a relationship with him. He knows what it might be that causes you to just maybe have heard about and know these things intellectually, but not believe them in your heart. And you know what he says? It's okay. It's okay. There's still hope. And so I don't know what it is that you're dealing with in this moment, but I need you to know you just have to get past this part and get it here. Because when we believe, when we see, and when we hope, and when we know that the power of the resurrection is changed lives, not 2,000 years ago, today, that his power is still at work. See, that's when we begin to understand what Easter is all about. But listen to me. We have to believe. And that's when we begin to understand the abundant life that he has for us. Now you let that message set for just a minute and let the words of this song run deep into your heart so that you know your heavenly father sees you as his child and he loves you. We've got to believe. Let the words of this song touch your heart today.
the most important people in your life are gone, what do you do? It was just, it was me and God. That's when I decided, hey, all right, I'm done. I can't do this. What do you want me to do? I had gone to a 90-day thing on a farm that's 15 miles from any town, and that was exactly what I needed. Best thing that ever happened to me. Trying it for so long by myself was, you know, it showed to be impossible. Um, but as soon as I let go, there he was. I went from using drugs and alcohol every single day to God giving me a good foothold to gaining and learning the tools that I need to live life without it. He gave me my life back. I couldn't have done it without, without him. I, I wouldn't be here. Through God, nothing's impossible. The day that they called the graduation day, I'll never forget what my mom said. Oh, she just said, this is the best day. He was rejoicing in what he had accomplished. The Lord has just made that guy shine. When he was on the drugs, that drug made him not who he was. When we met him, it was Jess. You could see it in his eyes. Wrap his arm around us. It was, it was, it was our son again, and that was, that was beyond, beyond explanation. In 2010, I met my, my wife, and um, we have three boys now. Sometimes I just can't believe where I'm at and the unbelievable blessings he's, uh, he's given me, um, blessings I don't deserve. Um, blessings 16 years ago I would have never thought would, would happen. We couldn't ask for anything more as, as, as parents uh, for, for, what he's, for what he's accomplished through Jesus Christ.
Stay standing. Stay standing. Here's the deal. I know there's someone here that's probably saying, Doug, you need to chill out. Because this is a story from 2,000 years ago in a big old book. And this is why this is so important. No, that's not true. This is a story of a man who cared about you so much that he would take your penalty, pay your price on the cross, and that's not where it ended. That Jesus is still alive, and although it's a story from 2,000 years ago, it's still changing lives. That's what this is about. So, so let me explain it to you this way. On that first Easter Sunday, Luke 24, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, as we all would have been, Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, now listen to this question. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. So let me tell you what I see here. The same question that we need to ask ourselves today. Why are you looking for life among things that will only bring death? Maybe your story looks like Jess's, where he was trying to somehow make the pain go away or, or experience something that, that was missing by using uh, drugs or alcohol. Or maybe you're in a position where you're looking for life in material stuff or relationships. I mean, the list is long, isn't it? But we find ourselves chasing after something that's so elusive because you're looking for life among things that don't truly bring this abundant life that our Heavenly Father wants. And so I shared with you the key. The key is understanding the resurrection power is still at work today. And when it goes from here to here, when we move from just intellectually understanding to actually believing, look what Paul said happens. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, look what happens. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be at work in your life, in my life? Now listen, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know where you feel like you have no hope. I don't know where you feel like things may be preventing you from experiencing God the way our Heavenly Father wants us to, but don't you dare give up hope. Because the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to be at work in your life. Oh man, that seems like good news to me. That seems what Easter is really all about. Would you bow your head for a second? Your Heavenly Father wants you to know real life. And if you're in this room or you're watching from home or somewhere else, listen, God loves you. Whatever it is that you may be facing in your life, whatever it is that might seem as though it's that challenge, listen, the story of Easter is this, don't give up hope. The story's not over. 
And if you can get to the place where you move this from an intellectual understanding to where you really believe this, that's where this life we're talking about starts. And if that's you and you've never experienced that before, listen, right now in this moment is, is your chance for you to say, God, I need your help. Just like Jess said in the story, I need your help, Lord. I can't do this on my own. Listen, that is exactly where he wants you to be. And so together, in this moment, if you've never made that declarative statement before, just say it in your own words. God, I need your help. Thank you for paying the price for me so that I could receive this gift, not because I earn it or deserve it, but because you gave it. Forgive me of my sins and help me to understand what it means to live in this way where the Spirit of God is at work in me. Help me to understand what it means to to have you as the Lord of my life. And Father, for the rest of us, every single one of us, will you help our hearts to reconnect with this story? Although it's 2,000 years old, it's still at work today. As we celebrate the power of our God, Lord, will we be reminded of our life change? We'd be reminded of the way you're at work in us. Lord, help us to celebrate Easter well, knowing that that resurrection power is still alive today. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray.